Well, why don't we go and get started? I'm sure some people will uh, file in. Uh, as everybody knows, I am Zach. Welcome to Sports with the Z, second episode of Sports with the Z. I was just over on the Newman Zone end zone with uh, Michael Newman, who's now going to uh, help me spotlight his Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, as you all know from last week, uh, kind of the pulse of this show, I try to spotlight uh, a team, give some insightful commentary, but incorporate the fan perspective. And that's not possible with without the fans. So, Michael, you know, I think you're probably going to drive a lot of this conversation and I'm just and I'm just here to help. I I, I want to start with one quick thing, which is for any fan. I didn't get to do this with Andrew last week. I, I want some background. I want to know how long you've been a fan of this team. What's your favorite memory, most unpleasant memory and what you're most looking forward to for your franchise's future? OK, well, uh, uh, for starters, I'm a long suffering Raider fan. I think that uh, you always have to add the term long suffering onto the front of <laughs> when you're talking about the Raiders. It's been a rough couple of decades, uh, but I started becoming a fan when the team moved from Oakland to Los Angeles in 1982. Uh, and of course, there was a, there was a strike that year uh, that shortened the season. But we did uh, we did have season tickets uh, driving down from Bakersfield to Los Angeles to the Coliseum to see Raider games. And um, my first memory was, uh, I, I, I think I might have mentioned, uh, uh, the Raiders were playing the Rams. So it was a kind of a crosstown rivalry at this point, or, or what I'm sure the Raiders were hoping would turn into a crosstown rivalry as the new arrivals in L.A. Uh, and it was a real back and forth game. And the Raiders were behind for most of it. Um, uh, and, and I should say the Raiders at this point were five and one. And the Rams were one and five, so the teams were kind of going in different directions. But the Rams put up a hell of a fight in this game and actually took the lead late, uh, 31 to 30, on a field goal, a long field goal. And I thought maybe that was it. There wasn't a lot of time left on the clock, maybe about 80 seconds. Uh, but Plunkett uh, drove him down the field toward uh, our end zone where our seats were, our terrible nosebleed seats that uh, were... <laughs> <laughs> we're about 10, uh, 10 rows from the top of the Coliseum. Uh, you had to dodge some low flying uh, birds at times and, uh, and, and sort of directly sort of catty corner to the end zone. So the, the, the end zone was basically this long rectangle in front of you um, and you're facing a dead on. And so we got the, the Raiders got down to this goal line and uh, Marcus Allen, as he was wont to do in the, what was his rookie campaign, did one of his aerial leaps into the end zone for the winning score with seconds remaining. And uh, so that's a happy memory. And obviously the 83 season, when we rolled through the playoffs, I was at all the playoff games that Raiders had home field, uh, blew out Pittsburgh 38 to 10, blew out Seattle 30 to 14 on their way to Tampa uh, to beat the Reds, uh, what were then the Redskins uh, 38 to nine in the Super Bowl as a, a, a team not favored to win that Super Bowl. And it was, uh... so between uh, Marcus Allen's uh, leap into the end zone in 82 and that long 72 yard touchdown run he had against Washington in the Super Bowl, those are probably my happiest memories as a Raider fan. And obviously they're, those memories are getting a little cobweb. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, there's not a lot of recent happy memories. We were in the midst of uh, a good season in 2016 uh, we were rolling along. Tough ending. Tough ending. Uh, yeah, and then what happened to Derek Carr there at the end of the year kind of ruined any hope we had of making a run in the playoffs. I'm not sure we were going to go to Foxborough 
and beat that Patriots team. Uh, but I think we could have given him a better game than Houston or Pittsburgh did. You would have. That that was a miserable performance by, by Houston. I, I, see, this this is the part of history where I can chime in on, you know, on, yeah, on our, on our life for this part. Earlier, <laughs> when, you're, when you're talking about the 70s, 80s, even part of the 90s, even the start of the 2000s, you know, I'm only 24. I, I'm trying to catch up on as much of this stuff as possible. And it's information overload sometimes. But starting 2007 and on, you know, I'm pr- pretty queer. So so I will defer to you on really anything prior to that. But the Raiders... But I really think the Raiders that okay. you're talking about are pretty much the Raiders I know. I my first member of the Raiders is the Jamarcus Russell Raiders. So, uh, oh dear. Well, that's a, that's definitely one of my least happiest <laughs> memories. Uh, I knew at the time Calvin Johnson was the right pick. Oh, uh, Calvin yeah. Johnson. And, he, he's uh, my, of course, he's, he's my going, favorite. He's going in as the first ballot Hall of Famer uh, this afternoon, and I don't know where Jamarcus Russell is, but he's probably sitting on a sofa with some purple drink in his hand. Uh, Spending the last that thirty six million, we we flushed down the toilet on him. Um, just a disaster. He got he got his big. This is I think Jamarcus Russell is one of the big reasons why the owners threw out that collective bargaining agreement and went back to the table. They realized we can't give these twenty one year old kids this kind of contract because he yeah he got that thirty six million yeah. and he basically retired. He slept through, he slept through the meetings. He'd show up to training camp weighing three hundred pounds. Yeah. He did no no training in the off season. I, I, I'm sure you're familiar with the story where the coaching staff gave him a blank tape and asked him to, are you familiar with that story? They wanted to see if, do you know about the story, Michael? Or, or? Uh, yeah, okay. I'm not sure I do actually. Yeah. So, sure so, so this was, I forget who was the head coach at the time of the Raiders, but basically to test and see how uh, committed Jamarcus was, the coaching staff uh, handed him a DVD uh, and said, go study these coverages. And I may be botching the exact details, but this is the gist of the story. They gave him a DVD uh, and said, study this over the weekend. And when he came back on Monday, they asked him what he thought. And he, he said, oh yeah, it was cover twos and everything. And they go, Jamarcus, that was a blank tape. So he, he, had, he yeah. had never- No, I didn't that, but I do know about the, the near mutiny that, that Tom Cable had on his hands when he finally went to Al Davis, who kept insisting that he keeps starting this guy and said, I'm putting Bruce Gratkowski in this week. Uh, to play Pittsburgh, because if I don't, the the team's going to mutiny. They are tired of watching this guy do no work and and then spectacularly fail on the field and 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 hurt their careers and hurt their reputations. Uh, and of course, Bruce Gadkowski went to Pittsburgh and, and beat the Steelers. So uh, and he was and he was a guy. He was a guy. Yeah. He started in Tampa under Gruden, and he was very much a coach's guy. Never really the kind of talent that you'd need. But he but he bounced around for a lot of teams, kind of the way Ryan Fitzpatrick sure. has, because he he was always you know game to to be a team team guy. So I do know that story. I didn't hear about the blank DVD. That's fascinating. But of course, I did. yeah, All right. Yeah. But but you believe it? I'm sure I don't need. To oh no no no! I'm 100 percent prepared to believe that story. <laughs> and well, uh, yeah yeah. So so uh, you know, great intro. I, let's let's outline uh, a little bit for. Uh, you know, people who are going to be listening, we, we've got Ryan on right now listening live, but I'm sure some people will be listening later. Uh, uh, every, everybody knows now Michael's, Michael's a Raiders fan. We're, we're going to jump into a few different things. We're going to talk about Derek Carr. We're going to talk about uh, what's gone on in the offseason for the Raiders. Uh, is this team capable of playing defense? And uh, is, is there actually a home field advantage being in Las Vegas? Uh, and, you know, I actually have 
a few thoughts on that. But Michael, I actually want to start with a brief recap of, of last season. And, you know, I, I have, I, I did a little bit of studying and uh, I, I remember it, uh, the Raiders started, you know, as strong as you can, the first two games, yeah. you know, two and oh, uh, dropped, I think, well, in hindsight can be viewed as a surpriser to yeah. New England because New England just was never as strong as people thought. Uh, the buff. That, that was, if you remember that game, that was Cam Newton right before he got COVID. Yep. Cam Newton started last year very strong, those yes. first few games. Then he got COVID, and he wasn't quite the same after COVID. I think he had a rougher ride with it than some of the young, uh, you, know, you, you would think a young, relatively young athlete would not have a serious case. But he, uh, for several games after that, wasn't right. We just caught him at the wrong time. We caught him a week later. <laughs> we might- yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I completely agree. But I think what was arguably the highlight of the season is taking down the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that week five win, which uh, knocked a lot of people out of my survivor pool. Uh, which was which was useful enough, but also yeah, I mean that was that was our signature win, and also kind of our signature loss because they when we played them in Vegas, we gave them a really tough game. Unfortunately, scored just a little bit too early and left Mahomes just enough time to zip it down the field and beat us on a um, pass to Kelsey. Uh, but we gave we gave the Chiefs until until they got to the Super Bowl and saw Tampa. We were the only team to beat them when they were playing all their starters. The Chargers beat them the last week of the season when they already had everything clinched and, and weren't playing anybody, Mahomes or anybody of, of importance. Um, and, and we almost darn near beat them twice. Um, and, and, you know, I'll say this about, I really, when you talk about last season, you got to talk about the last two seasons because they kind of unfolded almost exactly the same. In 2019, we got to six and four, yes, which at that yes, point yes. had us tied with the Chiefs. For the division lead, they would go on not to lose another game the rest of the way, all the way to the Super Bowl championship. And we lost five of our last six, including our last home game in Oakland to Jacksonville, who, you know, you should never lose to Jacksonville, at least not in the last couple of years. Um, so that left a bad taste in the sure. mouth, I think, of the fans who, in Oakland who probably wanted to go out on a better note than that. Uh, and then you look at last year, we got to six and three. We had, I think, a very good loss in uh, week 11 against the Chiefs. Now we're 6-4. and four, And then, you know, it kind of comes apart yeah. again. Atlanta just took us apart. Uh, one of only four wins they got in the season, but they beat us 43-6. to six. It, was, it was ugly. Um, then we need a miracle Hail Mary uh, on a blown coverage to beat the Jets, who hadn't, who hadn't won a game by this point, um, and then proceed to lose uh, the next three in a row. Before finally, uh, and a lot of more heartbreakers. I mean, we lost to the Chargers, uh, you know, at the end of the game on a field goal. We uh, we lost to Miami at the end of the game on a long field goal, and uh, that was a tough. Yeah, and then of course we we did come back and beat Denver the last week of the season, but it was too little, too late. So yeah, we seem to be able to get off to a good start, and we just don't finish uh, the, the the season very well. And I can't. Explain why that's becoming a trend under Gruden. Um, I, can't, I don't think that you know conditioning is the issue or, or what have you. Where it's just uh, you know, either we weren't as good as we looked early in the year, or or um, you know pe- people just lost lost focus, lost their edge, or something. Sure, sure. No, th- that and you know only. And you could speak to that more, you know, hypothesize more than I could. Uh, from the outside looking in, though, I will say Gruden does 
you know, I, the John Gruden I became familiar with was actually the broadcast John Gruden. Uh, I, I can say this, we're talking about my sports memory starting around 2007, 2008. I remember, you know, Gruden in the booth on ESPN, yeah. growing, growing the quarterbacks and hearing about, you know, winning, winning Super Bowl, uh, with with Tampa and, and and his days with the Raiders, um, but I I'm I'm not too sure. I think he seems like a great motivator, but maybe that's that's part of it. Maybe the team overperforms early in the season because he's a great motivator, and you know he gets the young guys riled up, hyped up, and then maybe it just tailors off. I you know mm-hmm. this is just me hypothesizing, but what do you think? I I think there's something to that. I think it's hard to sustain when you, uh, you know, all that knock on wood if you're with me and, and, and that rah-rah stuff. Um, I think with professionals, it's hard to sustain. You know, it's something you can sustain over a college season because it's a shorter and you're dealing with younger uh, players, less experienced players. Uh, over the course of a 16, now 17-game season, I do think that wears a little thin. And, uh, you know, late in the year, especially when everybody has tape on you, uh, and you have tape on everybody else, and it really becomes about scheming effectively. This is why New England uh, in, in the Belichick-Brady years always seemed to be better in December, January than they were in September and October. They always elevated when it was time to elevate. Uh, and a team that's trying to do it on sheer emotion, yeah, there are some guys who can respond to that. You know, Mad Max Crosby is obviously a guy who's just who's just got his motor revved up to 11 every week, and he's, he's really turned out to be a find in the fourth round. Uh, he's giving us a lot more pass rush than Cleveland Farrell is, who was drafted with the fourth overall pick. Yeah, uh, overall, we'll get to yeah. more of that, I think. But uh, uh, but not every guy is going to respond to that in that way, you know. Sure. Yeah. Um, so so let's let's start. Let's go and start with Derek Carr, and then because I I do want to get into the offseason. It, it was uh and it was an eventful season. But let's start with Derek Carr. Yeah. For you, Michael. Yeah, I think we need to start. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. go ahead. No, no. What, what do you think? Should oh, we start I was going to say, I think season? we need to start with Carr because he is such a polarizing quarterback, uh, including within Raider Nation itself, including, I think, within the two spheres of John Gruden's brain. I mean, one minute he thinks, <laughs> one minute he thinks he's the greatest quarterback he has ever coached. Uh, and he had Rich Gannon, who was an MVP in this league. So that's a uh, fine statement. And then the next, and, you know, the other sphere of his brain is like, Hmm, Russell Wilson might be available. Oh, maybe Aaron Rodgers is available. Or maybe, you know, uh, he's always looking over his shoulder. I think he brought Marcus Mariota in to, to legitimately challenge Carr. Um, who who looked good, by the way. In oh, he the, did. Uh, when he, was it the Dolphins game that Mariota filled in? Yes. Uh, well, he got, uh, Carr got hurt in the Chargers game the week before. Mariota spotted him in that game and played well. And played well against the Dolphins. Look, I'm, I was a little bit surprised the Raiders didn't dangle him as trade bait in the offseason. I I, I was going to say, well, well, they, you know, they kind of mishandled, I don't think, mis, I think they were intentional, but did you follow that whole contract situation where they, they asked him last second to restructure the contract after all, after everything had dried up? Yeah. And I, I thought that was a little fishy, but uh, it, I, I digress. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they paid him well for a backup, I think, because they considered the possibility he would at some point uh, start for them. Uh, and I don't know that that's off the table. I mean, the fact that they kept him when they when they showed when he showed enough, they could have got a, you know, at least a third round pick for him. Third round, yeah, something like that. Uh, and that, that that deal, you know, a third could become a second if a team gets desperate enough. We're three weeks into the 
Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure a team like Houston would have, with everything going on with Deshaun Watson, I'm sure Houston would oh, have yeah. much rather traded their third-round pick for Marcus Mariota than despite, you know, the the, the, the him going to my alma mater. Yeah, they drafted, they, they drafted kid, Davis Mills. But, yeah. and I obviously need to – you heard me on the last pod speaking about McCaffrey and now Davis Mills, but uh, it's no, no secret that Marcus Mariota is more football-ready and, quite frankly, a better quarterback than Davis Mills. So uh, I'm sure there was a market out there, as mm-hmm. you're saying, and – it is, uh, it is quite intriguing. I haven't thought of it. Yeah. You know, that's this, this is why I'm bringing the fans on, Michael. I need to hear this stuff and and get this perspective. I didn't think about it that <laughs> way, but that's 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 a very interesting way to uh, frame it. I think John Bruden, John Bruden wakes up uh, depending on what side of the bed he wakes up in the morning. He either thinks Derek Carr is the greatest thing ever, or or Derek Carr is a you know an albatross around my neck. I gotta get rid of. I don't understand, <laughs> frankly. I, I I'm gonna put it out there. I'm a defender of Derek Carr. No, I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes. He's probably not Justin Herbert, who, who really <laughs> showed spectacular things as a rookie. And we'll see if he can keep it going. But it was a very impressive rookie campaign from him on a team that wasn't very good. But he but he showed very well. But Carr, I mean, you gotta look at it. Uh, his last two seasons under Gruden have been his best. He, he had quarterback ratings over 100, 100.8 in 2019, 101.4 in 2020. He completed over two-thirds uh, of his passes both seasons. Uh, his touch, uh, touchdown-to-interception ratio last year was 27 to 9. Um, I don't think he's the problem with this team. I think the, prob- the, the, the main problem is they can't stop anybody. Um, they can't really. They can't get any pressure on the quarterback. Apart from Mad Max Crosby, nobody seems to be hunting the quarterback on this team, uh, and they can't really stop the run either. They've, they've, in the last couple of years, they have failed to draft a linebacker, and I just keep thinking, what okay. are you doing? Why they didn't take Jarman Davis with the seventeenth pick uh, instead of drafting a right tackle? I think they could have had in the second round. I just don't understand it. Uh, this team needs linebackers, and it needs uh, um, you know, run stoppers up front. Otherwise, yeah, well, well, yeah. We'll let, we'll let's use that. Let's, yeah. let's kind of transition, uh, uh, if you don't mind, to to that offseason. I'd like to start with the draft. Uh, you know, obviously, you took you just alluded to it. You took Alex Leatherwood in the first round, uh, Trevon Morig, I believe, yep. uh, in the second round, and then Divine Diablo. Or I'm probably botching these names, but th- those were, were your three picks. How- yeah, I think it's Tra- Travis Morig, Travis yeah. out of TCU, the safety out of TCU. Yes, yes. I, who I think was a good pick in the second round. A lot of people. A lot of people said of our draft, we took our first round player in the second round and our second round player in the first round. Uh, uh, Some people had a first round grade on on Travis Moore, uh, the safety. Uh, Although my only issue with that is we've been drafting a lot of safeties. We we, we drafted uh, Carl Justice. He's no longer with the team. Or actually, I think he's come back to the team now. But he was uh, was punted to Houston uh, when he didn't really pan out in uh, in Oakland. Uh, We drafted Jonathan Abram who uh, is a hell of a hitter, but he only seems to injure himself when he hits people. Uh, <laughs> and it's been very inconsistent. Um, but I but uh, I hear good things about Morig. And look, we need a right tackle. Uh, Trent Brown was an expensive luxury at right tackle. It, it never made sense. I mean, they were paying him left tackle money to play right tackle. Um, he, I think, has gone back to New England from whence he came. And... Uh, and if Leatherwood can step in and fill in a right tackle, then I'll say even if he was a bit overdrafted, okay. But that's the thing about the last few Raider drafts in the Gruden-Mayock regime is that there's a lot of uh, 
Well, the Cleveland Farrell pick was just yeah. That, that that's a player they could have had in the twenties. They could have waited to draft, or they drafted uh, Josh yeah. Jacobs and, and Jonathan Abram. Now Jacobs is the pick we got from Chicago that year for Khalil Mack, and I will say he has been the one really good pick. You know, you can argue, you know, maybe you you don't need to spend a first round pick on a running back, but Jacobs has been a very productive player for us. Uh, he's got a lot of versatility. Uh, you know, they used to talk about uh, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara in New Orleans as being thunder and lightning. Well, Josh Jacobs is a little bit thunder and a little bit lightning. I mean, he can run over, but he can also uh, catch the ball out of the backfield and be a more versatile weapon. Um, so I'm happy with that pick. Uh, but Cleveland Farrell, but, but, you know, but, you know uh, there, the, 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 the player out of Kentucky that year, Allen, even though he hasn't had a lot of success in Jacksonville, has had more production and I do think was – Probably if you if you wanted a defensive end there, uh, somebody to fill in for Khalil Mack, who may, maybe you shouldn't have traded in the first place since he was he was awesome. <laughs> still <laughs> is, is awesome. awesome. Yeah, exactly. He's still doing it. I would say after Aaron Donald, he's the best defensive uh, player in the league. Um, uh, is it at all funny to you, Michael, that the uh... The, the Bears got Khalil Mack with, with the draft, used draft capital, and now it appears they do have their quarterback, and the Raiders are still trying to figure out both after ge- getting that haul that they did for Mack. Yeah, well, the Bears, uh, you know, obviously have taken a new quarterback in this draft, and uh, in fact, we'll see him on the yes. field before too long. I don't think anybody thinks Andy Dalton is a long term answer, but. Um, Hey, Andy Dalton's great. He was great for the Cowboys last year. Let's let's be nice. Was he? <laughs> no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. No, I, 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 I think it. actually he was the worst I'd ever seen him play. One thing I used to. Oh, he 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 was awful. He he was yeah. horrendous. Yeah, in Cincinnati at least he 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 was never great, but he was pretty he was pretty good game management. Didn't turn it over a lot uh, until the playoffs rolled around, and then <laughs> it always went bad come playoff time, but they did make five straight playoff appearances in, in Cincinnati under Andy Dalton uh, and haven't been back since. So uh, he had something, uh, but yeah, with the Cowboys, man, that was a, that was just bad. That was just bad. Uh, that get that Monday night game against Arizona. What a oh, disaster. God. Yeah. That was just, yeah. that was the game where we thought, Oh, maybe the Cowboys, uh, you know, will turn things around if we can get this win against Arizona and Andy mm-hmm. just flopped. It was, it was, it was yeah, bad. No, too. It was, had a couple of bad fumbles, but uh, yeah, that's when I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. <laughs> Wait till next year. Uh, <laughs> well, 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 to your, to your point about Josh Jacobs, if we're talking about the off season, yes, that was a good pick, but clearly there's some uncertainty for, for you all to bring in Kenyon Drake. Who's not, that's not just a, Oh, yes. Just, you know, third down or, or g- give you a breather. Kenyon Drake has, has, performed as a starting running back in spurt. So I, I, I would think maybe there's some uncertainty about yes. Jacob just from a durability. I think, I think Jake is uh, much like we were talking on the previous pod about uh, some Carolina needed somebody to come in and do some yards for McCaffrey. Yeah. I think Kenyon Drake's job is to eat some yards for Josh Jacobs. I think they're going to use him more uh, Jacobs anyway, as a, as more, more of a versatile out of the backfield, catch a pass, make a play. And Kenyon's going to be the guy busting up the middle uh, for those tough, you know, four or five tough yards when they need it, um, and I, I th- and I think that's great. I think that's uh, that'll extend Josh Jacobs' career. Maybe maybe he'll uh, get a second contract. Uh, and and you know, of course, we have this massive uncertainty about our offensive line. Right? We trade away 
Rodney Hudson for Arizona for like a sixth round pick. And uh, he's our, he was our center and a Pro Bowl caliber center for us and for the Chiefs prior to that for a number of years. You could argue, and I, I, we talked about this last week when we were talking about the Packers, there's something to be said for getting rid of a player a year early than, than a year late. Uh, and Hudson is getting, you know, kind of to the, toward the end of his uh, productive years. But, boy, we sure gave him away for not much. And then Gabe Jackson, who was a Pro Bowl guard for us, uh, we shipped off to Seattle for a fifth rounder. Obviously, we got rid of Trent Brown, drafted Alex Leatherwood. Um, we're trying to bring back Richie Incognito to play left guard. Um, you know, he doesn't seem to be the character problem he's been on previous teams. He did no. finally, I guess, get some maturity around himself. But unfortunately, he's acquired that maturity at the expense of many years of uh, hard hard labor in the NFL. And he, he's had trouble staying on the field, and I just don't know how that's going to go. So outside sure. of Colton Miller, who does seem to have solidified the left tackle position for us, our line is a giant question mark. And I would have said a couple of years ago it was a team strength. Um it was in, in 2016. I remember 2016. It was, I don't know if you remember, but there was chatter. Oh, are we going to have a Cowboys Raiders Super Bowl? Because both of these offensive lines were so strong. They were the best. There was, were the two best offensive lines in 2016. You're hundred percent right about that. And the Cowboys line, unfortunately, is uh, there's been some attrition through retirements. Losing Travis Frederick was a very underrated retirement. I mean, your center is kind of the quarterback of the offensive line and he was really good. He might've been huge. the best center in the league. Um, uh, and then they've had, you know, obviously had trouble keeping Trent Brown and, uh, or not Trent Brown, um, uh, Ty- uh, Tyron, Tyron Smith, sorry, Tyron Smith and Leo Collins, Tyron Smith. uh, uh yeah. they had trouble keeping them healthy. So yeah, there's, yeah, it happens. Yeah. I mean, you, even the greatest lines, uh, can't, can't stay together forever. And maybe, maybe but, Mayock I mean, I mean, will deserve those... credit when all this is over for recognizing, uh, decline in an offensive line performance and and remaking it. I don't know, but it, you know, Peter King was in uh, visiting um, Raiders camp last week, and he kept using the word mystery in his article because they they are a puzzlement. I mean, I I just don't know. Either Gruden and Mayock are going to end up looking like geniuses, or they're going to end up being one of those you know <laughs> cautionary examples of what happens when you take guys from the TV world. And they both were in the TV world for years before they assumed these roles as coach and GM of the Raiders. Uh, well, it, it, it's trending one way right now, if, if, I'm, if I'm being honest. But, but yeah, I, well, I, 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 mean, I, I, I think you know where you're going with that. And I think you're right. I don't really have very good, I have very high expectations for the Raiders. I mean, I think eight wins that they got last year is probably their ceiling. Yeah. Really? And of course, they're going to have one more game to to win eight. Maybe they get to nine. I think there's somewhere, but I think there's somewhere between seven and nine, probably, and that's probably not quite enough to get to the playoffs. I don't know. There's seven. There's seven slots now, so nine and eight might sneak somebody in under the right circumstances. But uh, you know, the problem is they play in a division with Kansas City, who's going to be good again. There's no doubt about it. Uh, not enough things could go wrong with that team. And I happen to think the Chargers are going to make a big move this year. I think they had a, I think they had a coach mm-hmm. in Anthony Lynn who was a good guy, but situationally. Not he not let a lot of victories slip through his hands last year. I mean, he had Tampa on the and the year before, and the year before. Yes, I mean, he keeps having these teams on the ropes, and they keep wriggling off the noose. Uh, and you know, the year before, Philip Rivers was throwing interceptions all over the place. You can almost understand it. But um, Herbert came in and had the most productive rookie campaign of anyone since Marino. I mean, yeah, and I think better than Marino in some statistics, yeah. touchdown passes and yards. So. 
and they still could only win seven games. Uh, yeah. So I, yeah. I, I you obviously, no, no. You, it's too early to know whether this new coach who, uh, but he comes from the Sean McVay uh, coaching staff, uh, whether he's the guy or not. He's more of a, he's more of a defensive guy than um, uh, than the previous guy. But I think they did uh, for for Herbert. They did keep the quarterback coach that he had under on the Lynn staff because they had a good relationship. Uh, so I, I think the Chargers are going to make a big move this year. I'll be shocked if they're not a playoff team. I don't think they'll beat the Chiefs out for the division title, but I expect them to be a, a one, of, one of the three wild cards. So that doesn't leave a lot of room. Uh, and, uh, you know, Denver, uh, you know, I, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke are their long-term answer. I think they are the leader in the clubhouse in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes come next uh, offseason. Um, but defensively, they've got some nice pieces. They're, they're going to be in games. Uh, and I think, yeah, it's going to be them and the Raiders competing to stay out of the cellar. That's uh, that's where this is. I think, unfortunately, I, I don't see how we got better on defense. Okay, so we got Yannick Ngankwe. I, I was going to say, y- Yannick, Yannick, he was an addition I, I, when I was preparing for this episode. I did bookmark. I, I think there's some optimism there because he's a pretty strong player. He is a strong player, reading, but... I was reading The Athletic, yeah. The, the, well, The Athletic was... Uh, and small plug for the athletic if, if anybody listening doesn't subscribe or appreciates quality uh, sports content the athletic is really strong um it is you know the the uh training camp report is yannick and gawkway is looking really strong and, and that has to be a positive sign because uh anytime you can get an impact player like that and, and they can hold up you know to their reputation it, it will have a positive impact so i think there should be some cause for optimism there but i i I think, look, I think, you know, he, he bounced around three different teams just last season. He started the year in Jacksonville. He gets traded to Minnesota at his request. He wanted out of Jacksonville, and I can certainly understand why. <laughs> uh, but he goes, to, yeah. he goes to a team that should have been a dream for, for a defensive player, Mike Zimmer's Minnesota Vikings. And he's there long enough for a cup of coffee before he gets shipped off to Baltimore, which is another good place to go if you like defense, historically. Um, but they don't bother re-signing him. I'm not. I'm not saying you know. Look, the Raiders when they were great, they had a lengthy history of taking players that didn't pan out on other teams, and suddenly they became superstars with the Raiders. Happened with Ted Hendricks, happened with Lyle Alzado, Jim Plunkett, um, many other examples that I just can't uh, rattle off the top of my head. But and Yannick, yeah, I mean, I, I follow him on Twitter, of course, and he's saying all the right things. He seems really engaged and really focused. Uh, perhaps he can elevate Farrell a little bit, and he, he and Crosby working together, maybe get more out of Farrell. And, and uh, you know, Nasib, who uh, obviously has had an eventful offseason <laughs> in his personal life, uh, is somebody who can, can spot you for six or seven sacks under the right circumstances at defensive end. Um, so it's not, it's not hopeless, but again, I don't know who's playing linebacker for us. I I think we just got a massive hole in that position and we still need to see Maurice Hurst fully develop into the player that we believed he was, even though a lot of other teams gave up on him. I think we ended up getting him in the fifth round. He was highly touted at one time, kind of fell down the draft board, uh, for health reasons, primarily, uh, that doesn't seem to be an issue there, but some people thought he was a first-round talent. I haven't seen it yet, and um, 
Uh, and then, yeah, we some of these, uh, Damon Arnett was the second player we took with the Chicago pick. Remember, we got two consecutive number one picks from Chicago. Uh, the first one turned into Josh Jacobs. The second one turned into Damon Arnett, who was another pick when it was made, kind of like with Leatherwood and kind of like with Cleveland Farrell. I remember watching it on NFL Network and all the commentators, who, of course, love Mike Mayock and don't want to second guess him, but a lot of them kind of looking at each other like, what? <laughs> uh and all I saw Damon Arnett do last year was commit holding penalties. Yeah. Um, and, and PI. Uh, he's a grabber. And uh, they got to cure him of that, or he's just going to be a liability on the field. No, I, you know, I, I can't speak to that too much. That's why you're on here to, to, to provide <laughs> your commentary. But I can, the, the aspects I'm familiar with are. Uh, our Gruden, our, our Mayock. Um, I, I'm a big Khalil Mack fan, so I, I think I will always question the decision to, you know, uh, let talent like that go. Maybe I'm also speaking, as I've alluded to, I'm a big basketball fan. And, you know, in the NBA, uh, you, you don't split a dollar into four quarters. You don't, uh, you, you, you know, and, and, and that's less necessary that's in the NFL because there's yeah. more players, there's more positions. And so the marginal impact of each one is mm-hmm. less. Um, but I think you've seen the Raiders, whether it was with, uh, Amari Cooper, uh, which, you know, ended up, they got a first round pick, but you saw how well, uh, Amari Cooper did last year, uh, for the Cowboys when healthy. Yeah. He was one of the, one of the few highlights for Dallas. Yeah. And, uh, and I think they were right to pay him. I'm not sure about the Zeke deal. No. Uh, not sure about Demarcus no. Lawrence. They paid him too much money, but I, I, I think they were right to pay Amari, and and they're right to pay Dak too. I mean, you're gonna eventually you're gonna have to and, pay him. And and, and 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 so, Michael, I just question some of the decision making of the Raiders because if you're not replacing, it's one thing if you repl- you have a Khalil Mack who wants twenty plus million a year, you don't want to pay him that because it's not on your timeline. So you want to acquire two first round picks and maybe get one player who's eighty percent of Khalil Mack who you can pay ten percent of that. That's great, but if you're not getting any, if you're using that pick on Cleveland Farrell, I know it wasn't it, it wasn't the draft pick, but the Raiders as a result yeah. of trading Khalil Mack were bad, ended up with the fourth fourth pick, and you use it on Cleveland Farrell. And That's I just right. um what, what I think it does is you know you're not getting a lot of trust or founding a lot of trust in your front office uh, amongst your fans, p- people like yourself. Uh, and frankly, with the team, you know, I, I wonder how players who I'm sure there's not many holdovers, but people who from pre Gruden or uh, are feeling about seeing all these good players, uh, these talents go out the door and, and not a lot come in return. Um, I, I, I so I question that. Uh, but what I want to do next is, is pivot because, you know, uh, we have five or so minutes minutes left here. Uh, one thing I really do want to talk about is removing ourselves from just the football, the home field quote advantage of being in Las Vegas. Cause I can personally speak as being a young 20, 24 year old. I've talked to some of my friends about us going yeah. to have a weekend in, in Vegas when the Cowboys are playing or, or when, when there's a team playing. And I, I, I yeah. Well, I think the Cowboys games in Dallas, I think that's the thing. Yes, 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 yes. But, but you know, down the road, mm-hmm. if the Cowboys are there, we're definitely yep. going to go to, to Vegas to see, mm-hmm. see the Cowboys or, um, frankly, if there's just a, you know, especially being in California, it's, it's a hour flight to Vegas. So, well, I, I got a buddy with two season tickets. Uh, the, I, I, the, the opponent is the Bengals. I don't know if that interests you, although Joe Burrow and, uh, Jamar Chase might, might put up some video game numbers this year. Uh, 
that game is available. It's, I think, the Sunday before the Thanksgiving Day game in Dallas. Um, uh, I'm eyeing, uh, this is also not a great game, but I'm eyeing the uh, Eagles game in late October as a time when I might be able to get a posse together to go to Vegas and uh, make a little side trip to the stadium. Here's what I'll say about home field advantage. I am told that Allegiant Stadium, we obviously haven't seen it filled with fans yet, but I am told that Allegiant Stadium has been optimized for noise in a way that 80,000 uh, cheering fans would uh, uh, would be able to provide. Uh, it's going to be loud like Seattle's loud. And, of course, the 12s are, are give them a famous home field advantage. Sure. Uh, this stadium has the even greater advantage of being uh, indoors completely, uh, when when they want to be, they have you know the retractable roof and all that, and the field uh, grass turf that they leave outside to grow and then bring in for the game and all that stuff, all that modern stuff. Um, so I think they can have a home field advantage that way. The other way I think they can have the home field advantage is, um, you know, there's something in sports called the Miami flu, right? Uh, where uh, visiting teams come to Miami. It's a big party down there. They have a little too much to drink, maybe some other things that get ingested. And, you know, they, they come out on the field the next day, a little dehydrated, they're a little weak, uh, maybe a little queasy, and they don't play well. Uh, it's, it's making me think of that scene in uh, Varsity Blues when, when the night before yes. – the night before the game, they, they all go to the bar, and uh, I assume you're talking about something like that. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I've heard I've heard the term Miami flu for years, and of course, you know, it's not the, the the harm of this is compounded by the fact that it's almost always hot and humid, even even in November in Miami, it's still hot and humid. Uh, sure. There are probably other cities like this. I think New Orleans uh, probably gets a little bit of an advantage like this. You've got, if you're going to New Orleans, you're probably hitting the French Quarter. You're probably uh, having a few- you hurricanes or what have you, sure. <laughs> and you probably and the Saints uh, uh, all in, during these recent years, especially when they've been very good, have had a good home field advantage at the, at the Superdome. Um, I hear about it in Atlanta more in context of the NBA than the than the NFL. But there, but somebody was on a previous pod when I was talking about this, yeah, uh, and mentioned that there's actually provable statistics that show visiting players to in the NBA to Atlanta uh, have lower shooting percentages. And in, uh, in, uh, when they're playing in Atlanta. So that's the thing. So Vegas, uh, gosh, if you're coming, if you're, you know, Cleveland or Cincinnati or somebody you know, coming to Vegas, you know, the coaches won't like it, but you're probably going to, you know, play a little bit. Right. And I think that, especially with games being on Sunday, you have Friday and Saturday night, you know, it's, yeah. it's almost, it's too tempting. It'd be one thing if it's for college football and you just have to dodge a Friday night or, or like for, for, you know, the yes. NBA doesn't have a team there, but if the NBA ever got a team, you know, if you're coming into Vegas on a Wednesday night and you're traveling a lot, uh, you may only have to sit out one night, not go down to Vegas and it'd be a Tuesday, but the NFL, you're there, you're parked there for a few days. And, and those nights are there are going to be Friday and Saturday mm-hmm. night. So, uh, yeah. I, I think it could be a sneaky advantage if they can do, put a good enough team on the field to, to take advantage of it. I mean, you can have the loudest cheering fans you want, but if, you're, if your defense can't stop the run or the pass, <laughs> it's going to get real quiet in there real fast. You know, uh, uh, Crowds are fickle that way. They'll, they'll eventually get defeated and, uh, and sit there kind of on their hands and, uh, and so bye-bye home to the advantage. So uh, we've got to be good enough <laughs> to take advantage of it. Uh, but I do, but I do think uh, it could develop. I think the fans sure. in Vegas are going to be great. I do agree with you. 
there'll be a lot of transplants coming in. Uh, it won't all be homegrown fans in Vegas. But I think the, the, the Raider Nation is, is pretty much nationwide. Uh, uh, they're, they're one of those teams that has kind of a national brand. It's a little bit. It's a holdover from a better era, of course. Yeah. Well, it's just like the cow. Yeah. It's it's almost identical to the Cowboys. Yeah. You know, the Cowboys. If you go off of my my, my little cousin VJ's listening in right, right now, and he's he's thirteen years old, and he's still a diehard Cowboys fan, and he hears all the mm-hmm. great stories about the '90s, and and his memory of the Cowboys is uh, 2016 uh, loss to the Packers, and that's all he has to hang his hat on, and and it's uh, yeah, it's quite sad because for me it starts with the 2007 loss to the giants and des caught it and um n- n- you know you know nonetheless uh, you, you're still oh, told God, to yeah. be or taught to be a cowboy fan my dad uh when he came to america was was in pennsylvania and even though he was near the eagles he grew up a cowboys fan so uh it's it's one of those i think holdovers when, especially when you would see the nfl have games in, in mexico city uh there's a big raiders base down there and 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 from what i can tell the move Yes, we've played a couple of games yeah. down there. We've uh, we've cultivated that fan base. Yeah, yeah. For a while there, I thought we were going to move there until Vegas became a viable uh, alternative. You know, they wanted to come back to LA. The league uh, decided to favor the Spanos family and the Chargers franchise over the Raiders. Kind of a puzzling decision because honestly, I don't know any Chargers fans here in LA. Now, maybe if they get good, you'll get some fair weather fans. But they're kind of the Clippers. You know, the Clippers have been. The Clippers have been better than the Lakers overall for the last 10 years, but it, this is still Laker City um, all the way. And uh, I, I think the Rams have come back and rebuilt their brand pretty well. Uh, but the Chargers, I, yeah. I think, are going to struggle in this market. I wonder if long-term yeah. it's going to work, unless they put a Super Bowl or a run together or something like that. And then L.A. loves a winner. But, uh, uh, sure. But even that that will likely be fleeting. Uh, no, I think as, it'll, as I think it'll be a Rams. It's not even a Rams town. It's a it's a lake. It's a Laker Texas, Then the Dodgers. Sorry, then yeah. USC. Then maybe the Rams. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you can put an argument in there for UCLA basketball. UCLA basketball. Oh, the, the LA Kings won a couple of Stanley Cups in the last ten yeah. years. Uh, that's uh, that, that one team I do have season tickets to, or at least my family does. So. Uh, yeah, well, but if you're the Chargers, you're you're in seventh or eighth place at best, and probably not even that. I mean, the Clippers are ahead of you too. Um, so uh, anyway, they made the decision they made. I think I think having the Raiders in Vegas kind of fits thematically. They've always been kind of this ragtag bunch of scallywags and ne'er do wells, and Vegas Vegas is where you go to be bad. So I think I mean I think the the combination of Team brand and city brand could could really mesh here, but you know it's got to be it's got to be a good product. It's got to be a good product, and you know I'm sure they'll play some exciting games because there'll be a lot of shootouts probably. <laughs> I don't sure. No, I yeah I don't disagree. It remains to be seen. We, we you know we got a couple minutes here. Uh, I just want to. We <laughs> only have a couple people listening. I want to see if Ryan or VJ want to add anything. Uh, if not, I'll, I'll let you give some closing words michael but uh anybody anybody want to jump in here okay. oh zach, zach just hopped on uh oh hello what's up zach um oh there all right mm-hmm. oh we lost him is that we lose him? he probably did that move i've made a few times where i uh thought i was clicking on the unmute 
button and I clicked on the hang up button. They really need to move, move those buttons. Let's try it again. There right, we go. Now you just have to unmute yourself. Zach, yeah. how's it going, guys? Hey, Zach. Yeah, of course. Excited to listen in. Uh, do you have uh, any? Uh, so, you know, we're, we're wrapping up here towards the end. But, Zach, I don't know if you have, you and I haven't talked too much sports, but, you know, do you have any thoughts about, or you as a, as a sports fan, would you go to Vegas? just for a rate to, to go see a Raiders game and root against the Raiders. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I, is, uh, they're in Vegas now, right? That's the whole thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that, that's what Mike and I were just talking about. Yeah. If, if there'll be a home field advantage, uh, but, right. but how many uh, away fans there'll be coming or how many, how many people will just be there who maybe even don't like football or just there because it's Vegas and there's a, and there's an event. Yeah, I mean, I think that'll be huge, actually. People who go to Vegas then go to the Raiders game just because it's in Vegas. It's crazy, though. When I went to school at Berkeley, the Oakland Raiders fans were so pro-Raiders. You know, the cars decked out and stuff. And so it's always crazy to me that they moved because they had such a huge fan base there. But I imagine a lot of Vegas just travelers will go to the game. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it doesn't end up like Arizona, you know, where when the Cowboys come to Arizona to play. The stadium is three quarters Cowboys fans in <laughs> poor Arizona, basically forced to play an away <laughs> game in their home stadium. I uh, I hope that the preponderance of people who will go to Raiders games, even if they're transplants, even if they're tourists from out of town, will at least root for the, for the Raiders. But I think when they do play the Cowboys there or a couple other teams, maybe the Steelers or those teams that have um, big national followings, there could be some competition for fan loyalty in the stadium. Well, uh, I think Zach, I appreciate you, yeah, calling, sure, on, man. Uh, you calling in, uh, Michael, this, this has been a true joy hearing. Uh, I feel I, every time I listen to you about sports, I, I get about 30 extra years of, of history and, and context. And, <laughs> and I hope this isn't, this isn't the last, but, um, uh, for those of you who, who listen, uh, who are listening, who plan on listening, uh, Michael was hopping on from the Newman zone end zone. He, you have a couple shows, Michael, I know, but I know that the sports one is, Newman Zone End Zone. Uh, I was just on on his pod right before this. If you want to go give it a listen, but uh, thanks for tuning in for the second episode of Sports with a Z. Uh, as always, I'm your host Zach, and uh, this was a special Saturday edition. The standing time is Sunday at five Pacific. Tomorrow, I'll be talking about uh, NBA free agency through the lens of a Dallas Mavericks fan. So I have uh, my good friend Nigel hopping on and. Uh, well, a lot, a lot to unpack there, but thanks everybody. Th- special thank you to Michael once again, and look forward to, yeah, look, look, look forward Happy to talking to you soon. <laughs> Outstanding. All right, everyone have a great rest of your weekend.